I want to read a passage in Genesis chapter 50 to begin my lesson this morning. In Genesis chapter 50 verse 24, Joseph, you know Joseph who was a slave in Egypt for many years and who, who, who got to be the right hand man of the Pharaoh, that Joseph. When Joseph was on his deathbed, he tells his brothers what God will do with them far into the future. And I read Joseph chapter 50 verse 24 in the book of Genesis. He says, Soon I will die, Joseph told his brothers, but God will surely come to help you and lead you out of this land of Egypt. He will bring you back to the land He solemnly promised to give to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. And so with these words continued the hope of the descendants of Abraham to one day arrive and possess the promised land. The promised land for the Jews, a place where there would be freedom from their oppressors, a place where there would be an abundance of food, a place where there would be opportunities to build better homes and a future, and where they could worship their God in peace and security. This is what the promised land meant to the Jews. This ancient biblical people had a dream and a promise that is quite familiar to us here today. In 1920, Luigi and Rosa Mazzalongo and their four sons, Luke, their eldest, Dominico, Angelo and Raphael, left Bergami in Italy and traveled across the Atlantic by boat heading for a new place called Canada. They were leaving a Europe that had been ravaged by four years of war, where millions of people had died and the economy was in ruins. The Mazzalongo family made their way to Montreal and they lived in what is called Little Italy around St. Dominic Street near St. Lawrence Boulevard. This is where their fifth son, Paris, was born in the very year that they emigrated to Montreal. Luigi was 40 years old when he arrived in Montreal with a wife and now five sons to feed. He eventually got a job with the CPR Railway and began making that better life for himself and his family in what was for him the promised land of Canada. The boys aged from 1 to 11 learned the language and started school. Eventually Dominic Angelo and Paris followed their father into the CPR. CPR was a Canadian Pacific Railway. Back in those days, people got jobs both with the passenger service and the freight service. They don't have passenger service anymore, but back in those days, you could work for the passenger service for the CPR. They worked in the yards, directing trains, laying track, 
Raphael died when he was only 17. We have no records of how he died or why. I could never find out. And Luke, the eldest son, who is now called by his nickname Tony, became a boxer. He had 25 professional fights, and he retired after he had his nose broken twice. <laughs> he then opened a dance studio, and that's where he met my mother, Jane Rose Werner. After I was born in 1947, Jane and Tony wanted to start a new life so that I could have better opportunities. Tony only had grade school education, and my mother barely finished eighth grade. They wanted more for me, their son. One day they opened a map of Canada, and they closed their eyes, and they took a pin, and they just pointed it. And the pin pointed to a city in Ontario called Windsor, 600 miles southeast of Montreal. For Tony and Jane, Windsor, Ontario was to be their promised land, a place to start all over again. You see, in 1949, a French-Canadian single mother and an Italian divorcee who earned his living through boxing, dancing, and gambling were not well received by their families. <laughs> were not exactly well received by their community either. And so they moved away. They went to Windsor, Ontario, and they lived in a tiny basement apartment with Jane's little boy, who is now Tony's little boy, and started their life in Windsor, the new promised land. They, together, never had children. They're all gone now. Luigi, Rosa, all of the boys. Tony died when he was 53 years old, and Jane, never remarrying, died 43 years later, still a widow, at 85. They were only together for 14 years. I am the only son of Tony and the only grandson of Luigi and Rosa. Of their five sons, only Tony had children, and of these, only one was a boy, even if he was an adopted son. In the end, both Luigi and Tony's dream for a better life in the promised land was finally fulfilled in me. I was the first to speak English and French without an accent. I was the first to graduate from university. I was the first to work as a professional. I was the first to own a house. I was the first to have a citizenship both in the United States and in Canada. All of their dreams, all of their hopes, all of their sacrifices were rewarded in my generation, in my family. Okay, you may be wondering, why am I telling you this story? <laughs> well, one of the reasons 
is that for the majority of you, this is your story. This is exactly your story. All oh, the names may be different and the dates may be different and the activities and the places and those things may be different. But the essential story is the same for most of you. The desire for a better life. The hope that your children will have a greater opportunity. The striving for a new beginning. The sacrifices. Leaving family and a familiar place. That's your sacrifice. The struggle to adapt to a new way of speaking, a new way of working. That's your sacrifice. The loss of prestige and respect and position from our former work and places in the society back home. That's your sacrifice. This is your story or the story of your parents as it was the story of my parents and my grandparents. So I'm telling you this story so you will realize that in this congregation it is the story of two-thirds of our members. And it will probably continue this way as we grow and as we expand. Knowing this should help us be more sensitive, more understanding to the needs and the challenges that so many of our members have to face each and every day. You know, I believe that one of the reasons for our success is that when we are here together, the boundaries of culture and class melt away into the common language and the spirit of Jesus Christ. When we are here, we are Christians first and foremost, and whatever else we are is less important. I encourage you to keep that spirit and make newcomers welcome in the Lord. The other reason I've told you my story is to draw some important lessons that the search for the promised land taught not only the Jews, but taught the Mazzalongo family as well. Lesson number one, the promised land is not about land, it's about faith. 400 years after Joseph spoke to his brothers, Moses led the people to the promised land and Joshua brought them into it and settled the promised land for the Jews. And you know what? The promised land lived up to its billing, lived up to its reputation. It was abundant. The Jews prospered and they grew. They became wealthy and comfortable and independent. But in their luxury, they forgot all about the one who gave them the land and the ability to enjoy it. And that was God himself. The Old Testament records their sad history of war and strife and descent into poverty and loss, eventually being enslaved in a foreign land all over again. They were slaves in Egypt and eventually they were slaves in Babylon. They lost the promised land, not because the land could not support them. No, they lost 
because they lost their faith in God who was the one who provided for them in the promised land. Well, you know what? It's the same story with us today. It's not our sacrifice or our education that gives us the blessings in our new promised land. It's God that blesses us here. We should be careful not to make an idol out of our new country and worship the land instead of the Lord. Sometimes we're so caught up with being in a new place or being in Canada and so on and so forth and we want to take advantage of everything that's here, we forget the one that actually supports us and that's the Lord Himself. Lesson number two. The best thing about Canada is Christ. I want you to consider my life for a moment. My life is exactly what my parents and my grandparents dreamed of when they set sail for the promised land. When Luigi and Rosa and their four little boys left on a boat in 1920, and headed for the promised land of Canada. What do you think they were dreaming of for their children and their grandchildren? They wanted their children and their grandchildren to have an education, to have a comfortable lifestyle, to have a home and a family, to have respect, to have opportunities, to have freedom. These were the things that were on their mind. I have me. I have what each of you who have come from other countries would want for your own children. What, what you adults are ready to sacrifice for your children, I already have it. But I want to tell you that until I knew Jesus Christ, until I became a disciple of Jesus, all these other things which I had access to meant very little to me. All the things that my parents and my grandparents hoped to have that came true in me mean so very little compared, compared to knowing Jesus Christ. Because success and homes and acceptance and freedom cannot create the peace of mind and joyful heart that are produced by the forgiveness of sins and spirit-filled living only available through Jesus Christ. A big house in Westmount cannot replace Jesus living in you. The sacrifice of your life may produce a better standard of living for your children, but Christ's sacrifice produces an entirely new life and an experience for them that is far superior. I'm not saying that it's wrong to want a better life for ourselves and our children. I mean, Lee's and I want our children to have less obstacles and more success than we had, just like our parents. But we've understood that in order for our children to have the best life possible here in Canada, or anywhere else for that matter, they need to put Jesus Christ first. If your children have Christ, they can live anywhere happily, but without Christ, even the riches of Canada will not satisfy them eventually. And then the third lesson 
that the search for the promised land teaches is this. We are still pilgrims. We're still pilgrims. Once the Jews settled their land, they grew comfortable in it, not realizing that the land was not their final home. In speaking of those who endured hardship in this world because of faith, the Hebrew writer said, but others were tortured, refusing to turn from God in order to be set free. They placed their hope in a better life after the resurrection. Hebrews 11 verse 35. You know, there is still a promised land calling all of us as Christians. It's not a place on this earth. Its promise is not of jobs or opportunities or wealth or position. It is a kingdom of heaven and it is where Christ is. It offers the crown of eternal life and an existence free from striving and sin and death. It provides light and truth and love and wisdom. It promises uh, a never-ending intimate relationship with God without fear or shame. Let me ask you something. If such a place existed here on earth, would you not sell everything you have to move there? Absolutely. Would you not want your children to be part of that place? Well, this will be the end of our journey, we who follow Christ, we who remain faithful, we who serve, we and our children, if by faith and perseverance and teaching and example we bring them with us. I'm saying bring your children to the real promised land, and that's heaven. This is the promised land we are called to by Christ our Lord, no matter what country we live in, no matter what situation we find ourselves in. So let's not make the mistake or the two, uh, let's not make the two most common mistakes made concerning the promised land. Mistake number one is the Jewish mistake. The Jewish mistake is thinking that you have found it here on earth and become so settled that you can't leave this earthly promised land. That's the first mistake of promised land. We get so comfortable in this place that nothing can get us out of this place. We love this place. When Jesus came, the Jews could not imagine living anywhere else. He called them out to come into the kingdom. They wouldn't leave. And 2,000 years later, they're still killing each other for that little piece of land. Let's not make that mistake. And then let's not make the Mazalongo mistake. Thinking that the promised land is just one more move away. My grandfather moved to Canada to search for it. My father moved to Ontario and then came back to Quebec in search of it. In the 61 years of my life, I have moved over 50 times. 50 times. 50 addresses. In the desire to fulfill one hope or another hope. So don't be surprised at the look of my face when 
July 1st comes around and you need help moving? <laughs> I've moved so much in my life. <laughs> in the end, I've learned that only a life devoted to Christ can satisfy one's hope for a better life, not a new place, not a new situation. So my prayer for you this morning, whether you are newly arrived to Canada or your fifth generation, my prayer for you is that you will seek and find Jesus and allow Him to lead you to His promised land where all the searching will finally end. My prayer for my family is that you and the generations that come after you will be faithful so that our family will still be calling on the name of the Lord even on the day when the Lord returns. That's the prayer for my own family. And I hope it'll be the prayer for your family as well. I pray that God blesses you and that you'll each find the promised land that Jesus offers to each one of you. God bless you.